0: Hi and welcome to Authentic Conversations, you're with Janine Mason today and we're talking about the messy intersection between faith, family and work. So if you've been following these podcasts, you know that Andy talked about a couple of weeks ago how a friend had come and asked him, hey how do you know that God is real? So because Andy was talking about it and thinking about it of course as we were walking and chatting together, he asked me the same question, how do I know that God is real? And so, over the last few weeks, I've been just pondering that question of uh, you know getting beyond just the well, I know that I know that he's real, but how how what is it what are the experiences that I've had that have allowed me to um really experience that God is real for myself, and so I'm going to share some of those stories and uh really just talk about how. Not just how do I know that he's real, but how has that changed me? And so the first area I want to talk about is I know that God's real because He's transformed me. And when you meet somebody for the first time, you meet who they are in that moment, and you might get a sense of some of their experiences from the past. Maybe they'll share some of those, but really you meet the the product that they are. And uh, you know, when I'm in my fifties, and so you meet the fifty-year-old version of Janine Mason, but You don't get to meet the 16-year-old version of Janine Hesterman it was then. And so if you were to have met her and you were to meet me now, you would know that a tremendous, tremendous transformation has taken place. And part of how I know God is real is because of that transformation. So to give you a little bit of background, I grew up in a family with three brothers, um, a mum and a dad. I was blessed that they uh, were still married. They are still married today. And, um, on the surface, it was a pretty good family life, but underneath there was some pretty destructive things for me as a girl. And, uh, really to, you know, without going into too much detail, um, my dad's pretty chauvinistic. And so he trained his boys in the same kind of vein. And so growing up as the only girl in an all boy family, um, was pretty rough, my brothers picked on me. that was their favorite sport. Their favorite pastime was to pick on me. My dad didn't have the skills really to nurture me as as a girl and so uh he would often tease me about anything I did wrong was because I was a girl, so it would be oh you know you can't you can't use a screwdriver because you're a girl or you are not smart enough because you're a girl, and so I grew up. Really knowing that I was second class. So by the time I hit my late teens and early 20s, uh, I realized that I was more broken on the inside than I had figured out. Someone actually asked me at the end of a little Bible school thing that I did, they said, um, You know, how was your family life? And I said, Well, it's great. My parents are married, you know, brothers. It's We play family games, we go on vacations. And I said, Why do you ask? And she said, Well, because you act like the, you know, the victim of abuse. And it was the first time that my eyes were open to suddenly realize all that I had experienced, whilst not um, as horrific as what some people experience, it had really eaten away at at who I was. And to at that point, I had, I would say, zero self-esteem. I hated everything about myself. The one thing that I liked about me was that I was academically smart. and But beyond that, if you were to ask me who I was or what I enjoyed or what I was good at, I would have no answer. And there was just, I was so wrecked on the inside. Um, and so I started this journey of, I was a Christian all the way through, but I started this journey of letting the Lord into that part of my life and and letting him heal me. And so there was this season where um, I kept asking people to pray for me and they'd lead me through this, uh, this prayer. Often it was a prayer of repenting for rejecting my femininity. And I'd say the words and I would, um, I, I kind of would embrace the words. I'd do everything I could to put meaning into it, but it never really brought change. I can remember around that time having a conversation with a good friend of mine and uh, she was talking about how much she loved being a woman and I was like I, I couldn't identify at all I couldn't think of one good thing about being female I could think of lots of really bad things about being a female but there wasn't anything that I liked about it or saw it as a positive I can also remember in that same conversation her talking about her big brothers as protectors and it was a just such a foreign concept to me, that a brother would be a protector, would be nurturing, would be um, kind. And so as I tried to relate both to Father God and to Jesus as my brother, I had a lot of barriers. Um, Finally, one day, um, I think two things happened. I had been in church all this time, seeking healing, seeking to connect with the Lord, and often feeling like I couldn't connect with him I couldn't let his love break through into my heart and so change wasn't coming and then in the space of about a month three reasonably big speakers came through our church and each of each one of them I had somewhat of a relationship with just through um, through Bible school whatever and so each of them after the service sought me out and just began to speak into my life and although I knew mentally that God loved me at that time My heart really didn't know that. And so having three in a row, something broke through where I thought, actually, God, I think actually God does love me. Uh, And then shortly after that, I had this time in my own prayer time. And I I lived in a, a room behind somebody's garage. And I was just praying. And I suddenly had what I would call the gift of repentance where I suddenly realized for the first time that here was little old Janine shaking her fist at God and saying, how dare you have made me a woman. It sucks being a woman, and particularly a strong woman. Uh, and I suddenly realized the, the sin of that, like how bad that was. And so I fell on my face and wept before the Lord and said, I'm so sorry. I repent of rejecting the the most fundamental thing about me is that I'm female, that I'm a girl, I'm a woman. And uh, that started really a journey of transformation, of beginning to accept myself. That that moment um, in my room behind the garage was so profound that within a week, I remember talking to the pastor and him saying, something has changed, You're, you've softened, there's something about you that's different, there's new life. And which was super encouraging because, you know, there wasn't any big fanfare and there was no one else in the room, but I knew that God had met me. And so it's been um, 30 years since then. And moment after moment, encounter after encounter, I know that He's real because He's met me in the mess and He's met me in the challenging times. And that journey still continues even in the last couple of months we we ran an event in Atlanta Georgia it was our own event you know we were speaking um, but one of the other speakers our main kind of guest speaker was Leif Hetland and um, the Lord just used him to love on me so well and there was a word that he brought he just turned to me in the, one of the breaks and he said um, you're on God's most wanted list and I was like and then he turned away and' Did he really say that? And then he said it again. And then uh, he at one point just was praying for me. And he began to speak out about how I'm on. I'm not just, you know, loved, but God really likes me and how I'm on his most wanted list for his dream team. And it was just another layer. It was a gift from the Lord to have this father of the faith speak into me in that way. And I could go on and on, other encounters that I've had, even in recent months, of how the Lord uh, is showing himself real to me by loving me back to life. in the areas that were the most painful and the areas that were the most, you know, had been the most destructive and now the things, the very areas that... um, that I know he's real because of his goodness, because of his kindness, because he's a good big brother, because he's a good father to me. And I have been changed, transformed uh, because of that. So I'm so grateful that God's real and wanting to love on us and love us back to life in those areas. Um, the the second area where I know God is real is uh, the area of finances. A couple of weeks ago, a friend asked me, how. Is it that you came into that kind of whole faith for finances, and it started when I was in Bible school in my twenties um, that same Bible school where somebody asked me where you're abused and um we were going actually from well, so we were living in New Zealand at the time and we were going to America and this big trip and I had just spent four years at university I had no money uh, I was in Bible school I had you know paid for that so all my friends were either Bible school students who had no money or university students who had no money. And the, the people that were taking the trip said, "You, can, we don't want you to go into debt. And I said, well, I'm coming. I don't know how God's going to provide, but he's going to provide. I don't know where the faith came from, but I just knew. And sure enough, my pretty much backslidden brother who popped in to visit me, which was very random, came and I, I preached to him, told him to get his life right with the Lord. And uh, the next day when he left, he left me with a check that paid for that trip. That was my first memory of God just providing um, crazily from a random place in finances. And uh, many of you will know the stories of the Mason family escapades coming from New Zealand uh, to America first to Redding, California, and then over to the East Coast and how the Lord has been just incredibly faithful Uh, in every moment that he has provided outrageously. And uh, culminating with a month or so ago, we decided to do an event and we just felt to sponsor a bunch of people into that event and we kind of looked, we did the math on it and realized, well, we could lose maybe about 10 grand if if the worst comes to worst. And uh, the week before the event, um, it was looking a little grim. And then we got an email from somebody who randomly the Lord had spoken to and and a gift of money that was 10 times what we stood to lose arrived. And so he's so faithful. Um, I, y- You just can't make that stuff up for somebody to come and to offer to do that. And it's happened over and over again where I just know that he is so faithful the finances that he's got to be real Um, I remember another time and it's not just for what you need but it's also for your heart's desires we had been um well a number of times we were given a vacation this one I think we decided to go on vacation from Reading and we were going to San Francisco and we're going to spend a week or so there and we had the money set aside for the accommodation and a few extras Um, but you want to be able to do, when you've got four kids, you want to be able to do fun stuff, and nothing's cheap when you're in the city. And so I had been secretly praying and asking the Lord, will you provide for it? Well, we get to this Airbnb in San Francisco. It's the first day, and Andy gets a phone call from somebody. And again, just out of the blue, they... Uh, Said they wanted to give us a couple of thousand dollars and Andy got off the phone and told us and I'm like that's mine I've been praying that finance those finances and so that we can have fun So we're not stressed about the money that we're spending to have fun over this these few days together and so he wants to provide uh, And he shows up in provision um, Just miraculously The third area how I know God is real is the area of the prophetic and uh, Andy, and I have always, as a couple as individuals, just really tried to live by the voice of God and um, when you do that there's always a risk is what if you get it wrong, But so many times we have seen the faithfulness of God as we've listened to his voice and we've responded. We came from New Zealand to uh, the West Coast to Reading California, really listening to the voice of God and Um, I don't have any regrets, we just know that that was the hand of God on our lives. And likewise, when he spoke to us about coming to the East Coast, we're now in New Hope, Pennsylvania, Uh, very much we have seen the faithfulness of God. So we had started that journey coming over here to the East Coast, we started looking, and then Andy felt like he should go back, the Lord said to him, you know, go back and check out this prophetic word from 12 months previously, and in that that prophetic word from the 12 months prior when it was not even in our heart, not in our radar to move at all, we had a prophetic word from a group of people who had said, we see heaven and business having a, a red pin on the East Coast that will unlock the cities of Boston, New York and Philadelphia. Well, we live now an hour from Philly and two hours, less than two hours really, from New York and Boston a little further. But we just know that we know that the voice of God is real. I remember way back, uh, just the voice of God in a different way, meeting a young woman that I had known previously, a few years previously, she turned up in church and um, I could, I just knew without any sort of physical sense, without talking to her, I knew that she was pregnant, I knew that she was uh, pregnant to the man and not standing next to her, but to another man. And it just was like so clear that it was the voice of the Lord. So when I engaged in conversation with her, I was able to engage knowing that. Um, I remember another time recently, we actually were on a treasure hunt over in this area, trying to find where the Lord was leading us specifically to live. And uh, Andy was meeting with a client in the car. And I got back in the car and Andy kind of said, as I got back in the car, Andy said to this guy, um, so my wife Janine's just got in the car and she's going to give you a prophetic word. So I said, Well, that's fine, give me a minute, just ask the Lord what He wants to say. And I can't remember the details, the rest of the details about this word, but I remember the Lord very, very specifically showing me um, a butterfly for this man's wife. And uh, for this is something that doesn't happen very often, but um, showing me very specifically her left wrist. I kept saying, and I so when I told the guy, I'm giving the prophetic word, what the Lord wants to say, and I said, I see a butterfly on uh, your wife's left wrist, it's like a bracelet, something like that, and I described the butterfly, and I said, I, I don't know why, but I really feel like, you know, God's shown me on her left wrist, well, I, you know, we finished the word, and the guy says to me, my wife loves butterflies, and she actually has a tattoo of a butterfly on her left wrist, And so I'm sure that she was encouraged that that God knew her. Um, But also later in the day when Andy and I were on this treasure hunt trying to find where God would have us live. And we're feeling a little discouraged at the end of the day because it just hadn't opened up in the way that we thought. And so we kind of looked at each other and said, well, you know, did we hear God? Did we hear him right? And as we're having this discussion, I remember saying to him, no, wait, we do hear the Lord. His voice is real, because remember what happened at lunchtime. A woman I've never met, I've never seen, have no way of knowing anything about her, yet God showed me on her, very specifically on her left wrist, this butterfly, which her husband then told us. That's exactly what's tattooed on her left wrist. And so when you have those moments, and the voice of of God is real to you, How encouraging is it to know that he is real and that he's for us and that he's with us? So today, I want to encourage you, just take some time to to ask yourself uh, that very same question. How do I know that God is real? How do I know not just that he's real in a general, um, non-specific, yeah, I know that God's real, I've always known that he's real, but how has he shown himself real to, to you? How do you know that His goodness has shown up for you? What are the ways in which um, you have come to know Him intimately? How has He changed you? Because as you take time to, to reflect on that and to thank Him for that, you'll be encouraged and you'll be ready at a moment's notice to share with other people. So a workmate, a you know, another parent at the school, whoever it is that says, you know, this whole God thing, how do you know He's real? Uh, you'll be ready with an answer to say, "I know He's real because He's changed my life. I know He's real because He's provided for us. I know He's real because His voice has been accurate, both for me, for my family, and for those around me." So I bless you today to just know the reality of Christ in your life, uh, not just for you, in the past for you, but for today that you'd encourage, you'd be encouraged because you discover afresh today his reality and his goodness aimed at you.